Welcome to Money Tips by Charles Kelly, author of Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. Charles spent over 25 years in financial services, working for banks, insurance companies, and as a qualified independent financial advisor running his practice before setting up his speaking, consultancy, and property business. Money Tips will help you save, make, and accumulate more money, whether you are a business owner, entrepreneur, employee, or still searching for your vocation. Hello and welcome again to Money Tips. This is Charles Kelly bringing you money tips to help you save, earn, invest, accumulate, enjoy more money. Now, I'm the author of the book, Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. And as I might have mentioned to you before, uh, previously I've, I've worked in, in finance. I've, I was a financial advisor and worked for banks, building societies, uh, insurance companies, and for myself for around 25 years. But I also had a business after that which was involved with uh, recruitment, recruitment of nurses and care staff from, from all over the world. So I've, I've done a lot of things in my life. I've also been an employee. I've worked for companies. And, you know, so I've, I've had quite a lot of experience in, in business, working, and also, you know, working in charities such as the Rotary Club and raising funds and that sort of thing. So uh, when, I, when I'm talking to you, I often talk to you about things from my experience and uh, one of my experiences as a financial advisor was was sitting down with with thousands of people and and looking at their their finances and I'll come on to that in a second. Now, at the moment, I, you know, you might be listening to this tonight. You might be listening to this in in two or three months' time. But at the moment, uh, as as we sit in in March of two thousand and twenty, every time you switch on the news, they're talking about the threat of uh, coronavirus. They're talking about the threat. Uh, of um, a trade war or the threat of, um, you know, just just general terrorism and 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 the threat to the environment. Now, you know, th- there will always be some sort of threat. So today, the threat could be coronavirus, but you might listen to this in three months' time, and it will be some other threat. Um, now, you've heard of the, the the have you heard of the saying threat strengths? That the SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, right? You might may have heard this old uh, clever mnemonic. I, I can't remember the, name of the guy who invented it, but uh, it, it's, it's a way of looking at a business plan and then doing the SWOT analysis. So you look at your plan against the strengths of this plan or the strengths of this idea, the weaknesses. So you, you examine those, you analyze those, and the opportunities that the business may have to grow. And, and then the threat. So you'd use it in a business plan, but you can use it in, in many other areas and, and in different contexts. Um, now, in, in reality, uh, we, we are we are all facing threats. I mean, threats should almost be at, at the start of it, threats, but that wouldn't make up SWAT, would it make up uh, it, it wouldn't quite make sense. But, you know, in reality, uh, threats are, are are the biggest threats to our to our business, if you like. Um, we're we're always facing one threat or another. You know, even if you just go to work, you've always got a, a colleague who try to undermine you, and and they want your job, and they're trying to stab you in the back. I mean, I've seen this. You know, this office politics. Uh, you know, in business, you've got competition that really wants to wipe you out. They want to wipe you off the face of the earth. They want to destroy you. You know, Th- these are all threats. Um, Threats, uh, people who, even employees who want to steal 
from your business. They want to steal your data, steal your clients and thieves who want to steal everything you've worked hard for. I've had all of this. I've had employees stealing from us. I've had employees running their own businesses on the side while stealing our clients, stealing money from the, from the petty cash, literally. Uh, so I've, I've had all of this and, um, you know, we, we managed to work through it. Um, you know, governments and nations guard against threats, don't they? They have the, the security services, they have armies, they have anti-terror police, they have spies for, and cyber monitoring, you know, like GCHQ that are literally monitoring calls and emails. And, you know, many times they've caught terrorists before, you know, whilst they're planning to, to do things like blowing up buildings in, in London and stabbing people. You know, they've caught people through this this monitoring so they've they, they know what the threat is and they say there's a level of threat and, and they go in and look at that so there's always things going on there's always threats and the difference between uh, you know individuals and governments and larger organizations that large corporations and companies usually do this analysis and they, they they look for what threats may be on the horizon or what threats could happen and they put in place contingency plans and procedures for disasters and threats disaster management disaster you know you must have that if you you know when I was a counsellor you know the council had a disaster management uh, procedure and processes in place that they couldn't they had to do it as part of their their plan you know they couldn't just say well oh it may not happen if it happens we'll cross that bridge when we come to it no you have to have some procedure um, you know the vast majority of us don't have anything like this and most businesses don't even have this they don't even have a, a backup of their data um, you know, whereas, um, you know, many of the, the, these larger corporations, I mean, I mean, I remember in, when I worked for banks, they, they had a trading floor and they would have another building with a, a mirror image of that trading floor set up and ready to go at, at a drop of a hat in, in a different building. Uh, local authorities will also have a place. It could be, it doesn't mean they've got another building sitting empty somewhere. It could be that, that they've got, facilities in another building to go there and set up uh, if if anything should happen like a fire or flood or a terrorist attack on on their building they can move to another building and probably be up and running within a day maybe that same day all their data is backed up in the cloud so they can go there get the computers they've gotten and 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 work from that from that that place um so they've got a disaster management system in place whereas i said many businesses don't even back up their data. So if their, their computer crashes, that's it. It's finished. It's gone. Um, and, you know, let alone, you know, running their business elsewhere if, they're, if in the event of a fire. Now, a lot of this has been solved by backing up to the clouds, of course. I, I, I used to have a system. We used to have a system where it was tapes going in and you'd have to run these tapes over the weekend and stuff. It took like 24 hours to do the backup. And then if they crashed, they wouldn't work properly. And in fact, our IT guy slipped up because the tapes weren't recording everything properly. And one day the server did crash and we didn't have a lot of the data that we thought we had. We got most of it back. But, you know, th these are all things you've got to look at, especially if you're you're running a business. Um, you know, now they're talking about all sorts of things. What are we going to do if the virus spreads? What are we going to do here? You know, um, do, if what happens if, um, you know, people... Uh, can't work what happens if you have to send employees home and you know as an employer if you if you employ people you have a certain duty of care to your employees so if somebody's coming into work and they're sneezing and coughing you should be saying to them well, well you don't come into work or if they've got a cold and they've been advised to stay at home you should be saying to them don't come in 
because you are going to infect other people. But if you force them to come into work, you say, well, if you, if you don't come in, I can't do without you, and other people get infected, then that could mean you are um, you know, effectively uh, spreading the virus by, by virtue of your orders. You could be liable if anybody else gets hurt. And you know, the government today have announced that they will uh, extend statutory sick pay to people uh, to, to give them the statutory sick pay from day one rather than day four. But I believe that comes out of employers' pockets, by the way. So it's, they're not been that generous as far as I, I can see. Uh, but but the statutory sick pay is only about £94 a week. So it, it doesn't really go very far. So if people are not getting any... I mean, the people who get great sickness benefits are people who work for the government, of course. If you're working for local authority or the government, NHS, you know, you can get six months sick pay. You can say, right, I'm going home to, to self-isolate and they'll just keep paying you for six months. Um, you know, but but that that's not for most of us. That's that's not the case. Self-employed are particularly vulnerable. And when I was a financial advisor, most self-employed had no uh, insurance whatsoever. You, you could try and talk to your blue in the face about taking out some sort of sickness policy. They didn't want to know. And, and most people didn't do it. In fact, a lot of companies discontinued the policies because they, they just weren't selling. So this virus is, 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 is a threat and it's having an effect on the economy. So it's a threat to the world economy. Uh, many of the central banks have looked at this already and they pump money into the into the economy to keep the economy up so that it doesn't collapse under this sort of panic uh, of of the virus, which incidentally is, is, is only affecting a few thousand people compared to 7 billion in the UK. It did jump up from 50 odd to 80 odd uh, today, uh, which is, is, is probably like a 20 percent jump or whatever. But um, it's still a very small amount of people in the country as a whole. Yet the government is still taking precautions and they've got the chief medical officer and they're taking precautions. What are we going to do if up to 80% of people did get infected? So they're looking far beyond what we would say, well, it probably passed by and it won't affect me. But they're thinking, what do we do if blah, blah, blah. And they put emergency powers in place to maybe uh, force people into quarantine, close off towns, close off roads. All these things are within the power of the government. Uh, and and that, that could, could well happen. Right now, the media is pumping this information out so that we accept these things because people, if you normally close off roads and close off towns, people wouldn't accept it. But now apparently they've done a survey. Apparently 90% of people would accept it if they were told to stay at home for two weeks. And and that is then obviously causing people to go out and buy stuff in, in, in I don't like this word panic buy. People are just taking precautions and making sure that they've got enough food in the house and enough loo rolls and, and medicines to last them a couple of weeks should they be forced to stay at home. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Uh, we've just got to deal with it. Uh, so now a lot of people are also saying that, um, you know, that they can't uh, manage money wise, you know, uh, because if they, they were um, forced to stay at home, they, they wouldn't be able to and they didn't, weren't, you know, were not getting paid, that they wouldn't have enough money to live on. Now, obviously, there's a lot of people who are, who are vulnerable, that they may be single parents, they can't afford uh, to stay at home. And, you know, that's a sad thing. But when I was an advisor, um, the basic fact is a lot of people just don't have any savings. They have no backup savings whatsoever. And the people that, are the ones that say, well, I can't afford to save, you look around the house and you say, well, they've got the biggest TV, their kids have all got the biggest gadgets. They've got, um, I, I made a few notes. I mean, that they've got, uh, mobile phones, the latest smartphones, and that they've got the upgrades. And sometimes their kids have got phones. Uh, that they've got 
uh, cars on finance. They've got dogs like big bull terriers that eat a lot of meat, sometimes two dogs. And they seem to go on a never-ending spending spree of holidays, drinking. They, they, they smoke, a lot of these people. And, and yet they say, well, I can't afford to save. I can't afford to save for my pension, let alone putting money aside for anything. And, and they're the people who will be dependent on, on the state in, at the end of the day. And, and they're the people who say, well, I, I've worked 30 years, but I haven't got any money. I've got no money whatsoever. Um, how is that? I mean, how? Wh- why is it that people that I've met that earn modest amounts of money can still manage to save? And some people who earn more money than them say, well, they can't save. It's all about how you manage your money, which is, is one of the reasons why I wrote this book about money money management. Yes, money can buy you happiness. Um, so that, that, that that's my little rant, if you like, about people who say they've got no money. Now, if this coronavirus gets sorted out and it settles down, is that going to be the end of threats? Well, obviously, no, there'll be something else. And the newspapers will then be reporting another threat. Uh, so th- there won't be an end to this. So there'll always be something to worry about. Oh, God, the, the planet, you know, and that that, that uh, Greta Thunberg gets on the, on the TV, doesn't she? She said, the planet is on fire. You know, the planet's on fire. And then you've got these little kids saying, I want to save the planet because the planet's on fire. You know, it, it's... It's it's quite worrying for some children. They think, oh, we've got to we've got to quit school today because the planet is on fire. You know, I've got to save the planet. Well, of course, we know the planet is not on fire. Um, you know, those even those fires in Australia are exaggerated on the BBC map where they show the whole of Australia on fire. I've got friends in Australia; they're not on fire. They're going about their normal daily business. Uh, so, so, so what what I'm saying is that all you can do is just make sure that you prepare. For, for, for anything and eventualities, make sure that you've got your own disaster management plan in place. It doesn't mean you're worrying that a disaster is going to happen. It just means that you are prepared in case anything does happen. That means you know, having enough savings. Do you have enough money to last you a few months, six months maybe? Do you have enough money in the bank? to? So if your expenses are £2,000 a month, you should have at least £12,000 in savings or you know, at very least a credit card that you can get that money on um and 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 get by in those few months do you have that um uh, it's saying that uh, if the government did force people to to go to stay at home you know are you going to get paid by your your employers many people won't so you know you've got to make sure that you and this is not just now this is any time you should make sure that you've always got enough money in the bank to last you in case you lost your job in case you get ill and as i said most people don't have any proper sickness insurance i mean one in two, one, one in three, getting towards one in two people will get some form of cancer in their life. And yet most people don't have any form of insurance. They don't have any critical illness insurance. They have very little life insurance. And, and yet the, the, these are the threats. These are real threats that are there that will infect, uh, affect one in three of us. Maybe it's getting towards one in two. Uh, we know from my old days uh, in financial services that one in four people will, will not make it to 65 and yet people will say, well, maybe the state will look after people. Well, the, the state doesn't, you know, the, the benefits are minimal. So so there you go. That, that's that, that's one thing you can do is to, is to make sure that you, you've got enough money in the bank. Do you, I, I would always have a supply of food, um, you know, in case of anything that goes wrong, in case 
you know, you can't get out, you get sick. And this could be dry food, pasta, tin food in the event of a shortage. Some people go to extreme. In America, they've got people that have bunkers and have nuclear uh, proof bunkers and they keep a year's supply of food. I think Mormons, the Mormon religion that have massive uh, cellars in their house and they keep up to a year's supply of food and their own members would, would be able to supply food in the event of a Holocaust or Armageddon or the Second Coming or whatever it is. Uh, but it does make sense to keep at least a week's supply or a couple of weeks supply of dry food and that sort of thing in case you had to self-isolate. And, and if you're in business, do you back up your data? Do you use the cloud? You know, many of our, most of our lives are on phones and tablets and, and our, our laptops now. So you've got to make sure you protect that data because, you know, what about your passwords? Have you printed out your passwords? What, what happens if you lose the phone and, you, you know, you can't get all this stuff back? So make sure you're fully backed up. Um, as I said before, large governments and uh, large businesses and governments have this settled and they have a place where they can go and work from in the event of a fire or a flood. Then what's another threat are are forms of liabilities. And we think of liabilities as uh, loans and debts and that sort of thing. Um, but liabilities can be things like, uh, it can be excess debts, but it could also be things like standing as a guarantor for somebody who, who can't get a loan uh, from, from the bank. So they come to you and say, oh, I can't get a loan. Well, what does that tell you? They're not really viable to, to lend to. The bank don't want to lend to them. They're not a good credit risk. And then they want you to take the risk by saying, well, can you be a guarantor? And, and that means if they don't pay their loan, which they probably won't, because they're not a good bet in the first place, you'll be liable for that debt. And I've met many people who have been in that position. Some people have gone bankrupt doing that. So look look at those sort of threats. Look at just the threats or the, the, the liabilities of, uh, you know, not only taking on debt, standing as debt guarantor for other people, but uh, every time you get in your car, uh, you've almost got a liability, haven't you? I mean, I, I drove into town the other day and I got a ticket for God knows what, some violation 50 something. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I stopped somewhere to drop somebody off. And I, I got a ticket, uh, £65. That, so everything's a liability in a way. Everything you step out of the door, it, it's like a liability. So watch your liabilities. Be, be careful of uh, take, letting liabilities sort of build up until, you know, you're at risk and, and your your whole economy, your internal economy and your family is at risk because you've you've allowed a li liabilities to, to accumulate. It could be... Uh, legal actions and that's sort of if you take legal action or you ha you get into a legal action or you get into a legal problem that is a liability it could be a major liability again you can insure for these things but the best thing is to avoid them to avoid having these li these liabilities um, now governments and quangos are also creating many many new threats to business all the time more legislation more red tape, taxes, all, all governments come and say, we're going to get rid of red tape. They never do. Changes to the rules. When I was in business, my biggest uh, competitor, or my biggest threat was the government because they were always changing the rules. And you know, in the, in the end, they, they, they legislated us almost out of business with all the changes in the rule. Another threat coming up at the moment, that the mayor of London, if you're a landlord, for instance, uh, local authorities are always bringing in new rules. Uh, the mayor of London, uh, Sadiq Khan, is, is planning in his election manifesto, he wants to bring in rent controls or bring back rent controls in London. Uh, and that means if you rent a property to somebody, uh, th that rent can be controlled and you can't put it up. And that, that and, and I think going along with that, they would probably give uh, controlled tenancies like, like you have with the council. Now, it, this is going back to what they brought in in, in 
at the end of the 50s when you had these rackman landlords, these slum landlords. So they brought in these tough rent controls and tenancy controls, which meant that you could never get rid of a tenant. No matter how bad they were, they could stay there forever at the same rent. And in fact, as late as the 1980s, you could still buy properties with a, what was called a sit-in tenant in, in one room. And that house would be worth substantially less because it, there was a sit-in tenant on a controlled rent. And this is why in the, in the 1970s and up to the 80s and up to the 90s, when they changed and brought in new assured shorthold tenancies, landlords didn't want to rent out properties. It was very difficult. You had to have special licenses and special systems. It, it, there, there was not the, the same availability of privately rented properties. It didn't matter in the 70s because they were still building council houses, but then there became a need for this later on because there was obviously going to be a shortage of, of places to live. And if Sadiq Khan brings that back in, I think that, that is definitely a threat to landlords in London. And don't think it will end at London because, you know, if he brings that in in London, then the, the Labour mayor of Manchester might bring, Andy Burnham might bring it in in Manchester. And then then, then what? You know, what other cities will, will follow if, if he does this? So the, these things you've got to look at in your business. You've got to look ahead and see what are the threats. And that would definitely be a threat. Uh, it, it, bringing in rent controls would, would send us back to the 1960s. And uh, it, it would be, a, I think it would be a disaster for the privately. It's OK if, if the government are, as they were in the 60s, building tens of thousands of, of council homes, which they need to do. But it's not OK if there's already a shortage of properties. And, you know, already one in four landlords is thinking about uh, getting out of it because of the, the tax changes. These are other threats that have been brought in. And I think that would definitely make it worse. So finally, like the old SWOT analysis, SWOT, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats sit down and write out your strengths your weaknesses your opportunities think of yourself as a, as a business if you like uh, you are your own company your own corporation and you know have a board meeting with your family and uh, what are our strengths and weaknesses opportunities and threats and then plan ahead for those with with whatever measures you need to take saving more money getting rid of debts having the right insurance cover and and so on you, you know what you need to do so, so go out and do it so thanks for listening and if you want to know more about how to manage your money, look at my book. Yes, money can buy you happiness. But until then, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for those people who tuned in and have a, have a good evening. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions. 